only the beginning of the Pentecostal church age. On the day of Pentecost, the people said, men and brethren, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and today I'm excited to welcome, over the phone line, Jeff Oliver. Jeff, how are you today? Very good. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to talk to you today. So you are the founder and president of Global Awakening, and for some of our listeners, they may be familiar with your work, but for our listeners who are not, uh, what does your organization do? Yeah, Global Awakening is about inspiring and equipping a new generation with a supernatural Christian worldview that will help ignite a global awakening of God's church. Uh, We're all about getting um, our books out to the people and getting the message out about having a supernatural Christian worldview and how that um, changes your life. That's a really cool cause. And I know that uh, one of the important parts of your ministry is the series of books, Pentecost to the Present. How did you first get started writing books about Pentecost? Well, that's actually a, a funny story. Um, I was on staff as a Christian education director for a large independent Pentecostal church uh, family worship center in Lakeland, Florida, and the senior pastor kept teasing me, saying, Jeff, if only you were a Pentecostal, you'd be all right, or Jeff, we're going to make a Pentecostal out of you yet. And I thought, how am I not a Pentecostal? You know, I mean, I speak in tongues just as much as the next guy. But that really led me to research, and I found that there are, you know, little differences between charismatics like myself, who were raised in traditional Protestant churches, and classical Pentecostals like my pastor, who was raised in the Assemblies of God. But being a bit of a history buff, I wasn't satisfied with that. I wanted to know how did this whole Pentecostal thing get started in the first place. So I went back to Azusa Street, of course, and but then I found that there was another movement before that in Topeka, Kansas, and then there were other movements before that, the Holiness Movement and the Methodist Movement, and it seemed no matter how far back I went, there was always more. And then I felt the Lord challenging me one day, saying, why don't you go back to the day of Pentecost where it all began and study church history in the order that the events actually took place? And what I discovered was nothing short of shocking and amazing. And then I found there's this whole pool of Pentecostal scholars out there who know all this, who study and write books to each other about this, while me, you know, the average Joe Christian education director, knew nothing about it. And I thought, somebody has to tell the church about this. You know, the Holy Spirit didn't just show up on the day of Pentecost and then disappear after the last apostle died and then show up in Los Angeles again in 1906. No, the same Holy Spirit that moved on men and women in the Old Testament, moved on Jesus and the apostles in the New Testament, has moved on the Church all through history. So when you were doing your research for this then, what is something that you think is the biggest takeaway from looking at the Church's history that you think the Church needs to know now? Yeah, just like I said, that the Holy Spirit has been working all through history. I mean, it was just, again, it was shocking and amazing to me to learn this, because we have been taught all of our lives, you know, that um, that the miracles passed away, spiritual gifts, all that passed away with the apostles or 
sometime right after that. But as I went back and I looked at the early church fathers, I found out it just simply wasn't true. In fact, every single early church father talked about spiritual gifts still being in operation in their day. And we're talking 100, 200, 300, 400 years after the last apostle died. And then all through the Middle Ages, you look in um, Europe, the way Europe became Christianized was through miracle-working missionary monks who went to those nations. And there was just mass evangelism, mass conversion taking place all through history and bringing us right up to the Reformation, in which we're more familiar with that part of history. But I was just amazed to find out that the Holy Spirit had never left the Church, as we have been taught or led to believe. Even um, modern-day Pentecostals and Charismatics have this um, latter rain theory where they believe, you know, that Jesus and the Apostles and then the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, and but then they say that he just kind of disappeared for 2,000 years and then show, uh, showed up in Los Angeles in 1906. Um, it's just simply not true, and it was based on ignorance. But today there's, there's so much um, research that has been done that we are finding more and more that this has just continued all through history. And, and, and in theology, it, there's a word for it, and it's continuationism, which is really the opposite of cessationism. So that was the big shocker to me was learning about the difference and learning that um, that the Holy Spirit has actually continued in his work all through history. So then as we move through history all the way to the thrust up to the present day then, what do you see the Holy Spirit doing in the world today? Christianity is um, growing phenomenally around the world today. In fact, the current growth rate of Christianity worldwide is actually outpacing the overall population growth rate. Christianity is growing phenomenally around the world. In fact, the current growth rate of Christianity today is outpacing the overall population growth in the world. Christianity is also growing phenomenally in the global south. That's uh, Asia, Africa, and Latin America. But in Europe, North America, and westernized nations, it's not. In fact, um, Christianity is actually declining in the West because we hesitate when it comes to healing and deliverance and other works of power, and because most westernized nations remain close to the reality of the supernatural. Listen, when the masses come to Christ in the emerging world, Christian leaders provoke their imaginations, just like the Apostle Paul, whose preaching came in demonstration of the Spirit and of power by offering them something they can actually see, hear, and experience. While in the West, all we offer is talk and good morals and politics. So until we re-embrace the supernatural, Christianity in the West will just never catch up to Asia and Africa and Latin America. You know, God is still in the miracle business, but we in the West, we're kind of missing out on that right now because we're not embracing the Holy Spirit and His work. So practically then... How do we get the Western Church revitalized so that it can see this sort of supernatural outworking again? Yes. Uh, David said in Psalms 145.4, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty act. If this was true and important in biblical times, how much more in post-biblical times? The supernatural begins with us declaring God's mighty works to the next generation. Uh, Amy Semple McPherson, she reintroduced a supernatural God to her generation. 
and it's time for us to reintroduce a supernatural God to our generation. You know, what happened on the day of Pentecost? The supernatural happened. A rushing mighty wind blew, buildings shook, apparitional flames of fire appeared, and then these Galileans, who were known for being uneducated and rough and outlandish, they began speaking fluently and eloquently the praises of God in other languages. And then the greatest miracle of all happened. Men, women, and children by the thousands converted from Judaism to become followers of Jesus. So the grand and noble purpose of Pentecost and of miracles and of the supernatural is and has been always one thing, conversion of the masses. But you see, Pentecost didn't end there. If you listen to some Bible scholars and teachers today, you might get the impression that this was the one and only Pentecost. No, this was only the beginning of the Pentecostal Church Age. On the day of Pentecost, the people said, Men and brethren, what must we do? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, and then he said, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So the promise and the power of Pentecost was never intended to be a one-time event. It's transgenerational, it's transglobal, and it's transcendent. That means Pentecost is for all generations, all nations, and all cultures. And then in Acts 3, Peter and John healed a lame man, and thousands more were added to the church. And Peter again preached to the crowd, saying, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So here again, Peter's talking about um, before Jesus comes back and the restoration of all things, he said there will be times of refreshing. We call them revivals, renewals, or awakenings. Peter called them times of refreshing. So then how will your books and your resources help to bring Pentecost to the next generation? Yeah, there is always a problem with passing along Pentecost to the next generation. Many of us parents are facing the same problem today. Listen, just because you share Jesus with your kids and make sure they go to church with you every Sunday is no guarantee they're going to follow Jesus when they get older. And I know that because I have seen that in my own life. Yeah, my wife and I have four grown children. They were all raised in church, taught about God, but only one of them, our youngest, is serving God today. Why? Because even though they knew all about God, and they did not experience him for themselves. Now, we know each of our children have to make their own decisions, but we partly blame ourselves for this. Because even though we taught them about God, we didn't properly teach them a supernatural Christian worldview. And we did not properly warn them about some of the other worldviews that are out there. Humanism, secularism, liberalism, modernism, and postmodernism. So when they grew up and left our house, they wouldn't fall for these anti-Christian, anti-Christ worldviews that are directly opposed to the supernatural Christian or biblical worldview. But our books do all of the above. They not only teach the origins of Christianity, but they teach the origins of every other worldview I just mentioned and how they pale in comparison with the supernatural Christian worldview. Listen, I'm not trying to sell books. My wife and I just don't want other parents to suffer the same fate that we have suffered. We want other parents, we want their kids to follow them to heaven, 
You know, it's a whole lot easier to teach your children and declare the mighty works of God to them while they're still at home living with you than to try to pray for them and hope every day that they come back to Christ after they're all grown up and living somewhere else. You know, a few months ago, I spoke at our home church here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and one of our single moms bought our first book, and she brought it home. But when she went to read it, she couldn't find it. Come to find out, her teenage daughter, who doesn't even attend church, by the way, saw it and started reading it, and she said she loved it. And so her mom uh, told my wife the other day, she says, I still haven't gotten my book back. But let me tell you a secret. We wrote those books precisely with this in mind. We wanted everyone to be able to read them, so we wrote them in plain language with lots of pictures, illustrations, notes, documentation, study questions, and indexes. And so if there's a word they can't understand or pronounce, we even included uh, free online study tools, a glossary, pronunciations, a timeline, and online and books resources for further study. And why did we include pictures? Because we want them to know we're not making up these stories. This really happened. These are nonfiction books. So I was shocked and amazed to learn myself about many of these things happening through history, like I said. But I spent the last seven years of my life researching and writing these books just so others could learn these amazing stories about the Holy Spirit's work all through history. Well, if people want to pick up these books for themselves, where can they do so? They can get them at anywhere books are sold. Um, Amazon, you can get them on iBooks, you can get them on Google Books, you can get them at Barnes & Noble. Basically, any place you buy books, they are available. And do you have a website? www.globalawakening.com Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jeff, to, uh, to share about the books. The books, again, are Pentecost to, pre- to the Present. Jeff, would you mind closing us out with some prayer? Sure. Father, I just pray right now for every parent and every child that is out there that is wanting to know more about your Holy Spirit and his works through history. I pray that you will speak to their hearts and help them to understand um, that it is the supernatural that we need in our lives. We must embrace the Holy Spirit. We must embrace the the, the supernatural today. Father, that we would not be listening to um, other reports that we've heard that that, uh, the gifts of the Spirit had passed away or miracles had passed away at some point, but we would believe and expect. And Father, I ask even those that uh, read our books that they would also um, just um, realize that just as the Holy Spirit um, spoke through men and women of old and all through church history, that they would be inspired to believe and expect God to do the same through them today. Just as God spoke through ordinary people and used ordinary men and women of God all through church history, that they would believe and expect Him to do the same through them today. And Father, most of all, I pray that anyone who reads our books, that they would that they would enjoy reading them as much as I enjoyed researching and writing them. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Jeff Oliver on Charisma Connection here on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and thanks for joining us. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. 
Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.